Welcome to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast. I'm John Payne, pastor of Redemption Hill Church, and I'm here with Jared Mellinger, pastor of Covenant Fellowship Church. We're both members of the Sovereign Grace Leadership Team, and we are here hoping to serve our fellow Sovereign Grace pastors. So, Jared, thanks for joining me. It's fun to be together, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good. Uh, what we want to do for this and some subsequent ep- episodes is talk about something we're calling the shaping virtues, <laughs> the seven shaping virtues. Um, we have something in Seven Grace called the Seven Shared Values. It's a, a series of doctrinal priorities that we've agreed together are priorities for our Sovereign Grace family. And and over the years, we've had different pastors recommend or point out, and we have made the same observation that th- there are also character traits that reflect the gospel that we really want our churches to pursue. There are things that we've certainly sought to pursue imperfectly, but we've, we've tried <laughs> over the years to, to lead ourselves in and our churches in, our family of churches in. And we thought it would be helpful to summarize those and to prioritize those in such a way that future pastors or pastors that are new to Sovereign Grace could have a a, a, a list of what, what do we mean when we say we want to have a culture shaped by the gospel. So that's, that's really what this document is intended to create, these seven shaping virtues. Um, we, we call them shaping virtues because they, they are really the gospel shaping us. They're the gospel message shaping us. They're not things that we claim to have even understood, let alone fully accomplished, but they are things that we want to shape us and that we have been grateful for teaching we received in the past um, from founding pastors and sovereign grace on these virtues. And we're hoping we can carry them on to the next generation. So just, just wanted to share a few thoughts um, in terms of why we're doing this and what the value of these virtues are. So anything you would add to that, Jared, in terms of how we've talked about these? Yeah, these these shaping virtues are, for those who have been in Sovereign Grace churches for some time, it's known that we we prioritize these. In, in my own leadership development in, in Sovereign Grace, uh, This was these were the categories that um, those who invested in me sought to to cultivate, and uh, and it's God's kindness that as I interact with pastors throughout Sovereign Grace, um, we see these evidences of God's grace um, at work in others. It's one of the reasons that I enjoy spending time with Sovereign Grace pastors and and learning from them is that by God's grace, um, uh, He has. Uh, enabled us to to say this is this is these are qualities that we want to have um, in our in our lives and to and to to have the gospel find expression in our culture uh, in these these particular ways. You know, some of the, the the category here that we're talking about is uh, I know the the language can be you know virtues uh, may not be common everyday language, but it's all actually a really good category to think in terms of that's different than, than values. Mm-hmm. Um, David Wells talks about how over the centuries and, and in recent times in particular, language has shifted from, uh, from virtues to values and how that's really not a good development. Virtues are those things that all Christians are, are called to, to pursue, ethical norms for all people in, in all places. And it's, uh, it, it, 
You know, it's it's uh, not something just that we say, okay, we want these things to to define us. No, they they necessarily will uh, mark uh, those who are followers of of Jesus Christ, and they are they are those qualities that we are all called um, to you know to to pursue. So I I like this idea of yeah, and and part of the view of shaping as well is that it's in progress, right? Uh, right. The the um, None of us perfectly demonstrate. We we have been shaped, and we by the grace of God, and we continue to be shaped uh, according to these qualities as as God does His gracious work in our lives and in our churches of uh, maturing us uh, into uh, the the likeness of of Christ. And so, yeah, that's our that's the the idea behind this. We've realized that this is. These categories are a lot of the reason that that those of us who are in sovereign grace enjoy being in sovereign. When you say one of the things that that I love about my my local church and the, and the, the brothers and sisters that uh, and the and the culture that's created here, well, right. it's that there certainly are doctrinal things, but it's not just doctrine. You know, Francis Schaeffer makes that the uh, the distinction between. Um, uh, orthodoxy of doctrine and orthodoxy of, of culture. Right. <laughs> and he actually says that the culture piece can be harder to, uh, to attain. So this is that, what does, what does orthodoxy of culture look like? What does it look like as the gospel finds expression in our relationships, in our churches, uh, in our, in our own lives? And these really summarize that. Oh, yes, and also yes. add, it's not an exhaustive list. It's not an exhaustive list. You could add several other things to this. You know, we've we've spent some time talking about, okay, what should be included in this list? And uh, and right. uh, it, it, part of include, making a list like this is recognizing that we are including some things and not others. Uh, but there's good reasons for the ones that, we, that we've included here. Yeah, I think there's a, uh, there's a combination of a, a sort of current cultural burden that's attached to any list of either values or virtues that maybe you might think of in distinction from say a statement of faith, which necessarily has to be more comprehensive. And maybe even a statement of faith has a, a certain um, current burden. It's, it's addressing current theological concerns uh, of the era. You can see that in historic statements of faith. Um, but these values even more so in the virtues where in one sense, every ethical command of the New Testament of the Bible is an implication, is a virtue that that ought to be true uh, if, if somebody is responding to the gospel. But these are ones I think that uh, certainly as the Sovereign Grace leadership team, we're, we're wanting to particularly recommend. We see a certain heritage that we want to pass on of these virtues. We want to highlight them, emphasize them, call people to them. And we would hope to be distinguished by them um, as leaders pursue them. So that's that's a one of the reasons we've emphasized these is we just see their central importance for healthy churches um, over the years. So, well, good. Well, let's let's jump into this first one, and um, we're hoping that each of these virtues will just take you know maybe twenty minutes total to address these. Um, and this first one is first on purpose. Uh, the first one is humility, and anybody that is um, been around Sovereign Grace any length of time, knows that our our standard phrase, which we learn from CJ, is that we, we are not humble people. We don't think of ourselves as humble people. There's been many, many, many more humble Christians over the centuries, more humble pastors, but we do see the value of humility, the necessity of it, and we want to pursue humility by the grace of God. So we're determined to do that just because we see 
remaining pride in our life doesn't mean we don't want to run hard after humility. So um, first of all, yeah. just, just talk a little bit. What, what would be your overall thoughts on this? Uh, where do you see this value in the scriptures? Jared, how would you see that it flows from the gospel? You know, sh- why do you think humility should start off our, our list? Yeah, the reason that we have humility first is because it it is that grace that opens our hearts and rely and our lives to receive every other uh, virtue and to grow in 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 these ways. If we are not postured in humility, we will make the mistake of thinking that we have arrived in various areas rather than uh, pressing on towards towards growth and toward uh, toward maturity. And so this is, you know, something I, I uh, remember very early on. I mean, CJ's written a book on humility. I remember his sermon from Isaiah 66 going back uh, decades ago on um, uh, the one to whom the Lord looks is the one who is humble and contrite in spirit mm-hmm. in this sense of God's uh, opposing the proud, but giving grace to the humble that uh yes. that humility is something that that god places great priority upon mm-hmm. and uh philippians 2 is is a text that comes to mind that speaks uh, beautifully of humility and what i love there is that it is connected into christ and the gospel this this mind of christ in philippians 2 3 it says do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit so if you know what yes. the, if you want to know what the opposite of humility is, we're trying we're seeking to avoid selfish ambition. We're seeking right. to avoid conceit. And in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That humility finds expression looking to the interests not only of uh you know, look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. And have yes. this mind among yours, which is yours in Christ, and then it goes on to describe the glories of uh of the the service and the humility uh, of Christ in his death leading to his exaltation. So Christ came and humbled himself. Yes. Uh, he, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but, but um, humbled himself and, and became a servant for us. And so that, that humility that we encounter in the gospel of Jesus Christ is what gives uh, shape to our own pursuit of humility and mm-hmm. what humbles us <laughs> because mm-hmm, the gospel right. the gospel is a message of the goodness and grace of god and it's a mm-hmm. message that we are sinners who deserve his judgment so there's a sense in which the gospel message can't be received apart from the humility that says right. i am a sinner who deserves only judgment right there will be no one will be in heaven who believes that they deserve to be there right um, in that sense, uh, it is only the it is only those who have been humbled by the Lord uh, who are who are genuine believers. Right. Um, there are you know, and Scripture talks about this. It's striking how often when descriptions of the believing community are given that and that humility is included among how we are to relate to each other. So in Colossians three beginning Mm. in verse 12 is where where Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. You've been chosen by God, set apart as holy, loved by him. And so put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, Mm. patience, 
bearing with one another and so on. So that kind of, uh, that kind of humility will find expression in our lives in so many, so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and where Excellent. humility is present, it will lead to many other graces being evident as well. Mm. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the, even some of the narrative sections of scripture and how, uh, wh- whether it's contrition as a result of sin or a, a, a broken sense of weakness and vulnerability as a, as a result of just looking at a person's own need, God runs to both of those conditions, if, if we could put it that way, in the scripture. So I'm just thinking about some of the Old Testament passages. You think of Hannah, you know, on the steps of the temple, just pouring out her need to the Lord as one who is truly poor in spirit and, and desperate, aware of her, her, her inability and, and the Lord answers her. And then, you know, you could contrast that with some of the figures in the Old Testament, like Saul and Nebuchadnezzar and some of these that, that boasted in their own strength. Or you even think of the tragedy of, of like a Hezekiah, who at, at one moment is just laying out his need before the Lord and, and sort of humble, desperate recognition. Unless the Lord meets us. We, we are lost, but you are able, Lord. And then at the end of his life, sadly, is is boasting in, in what he has, his treasures, uh, rather than boasting in the Lord. And, and obviously it leads to a, a sad word at the end of his life. So just, I mean, throughout the scriptures, there, there's like this contrast, those that are humble, that are contrite, that are broken, that are happy to be weak, happy to be limping, happy to be dependent on the Lord, God meets them with strength and grace and favor and perseverance and those that are boastful and self-confident and arrogant and refusing to humble themselves. God opposes in discipline, perhaps not in judgment, but, um, but certainly he does not allow their pride to go unchecked. And so, I, I, that just strikes me as a warning. I, it also strikes me, and I'd be interested in what you'd say about this, that as we think about leaders leading their churches, you know, you and I both have a concern as sovereign grace transitions to the second generation, that things that were virtues uh, historically not just be assumptions, they not just be things that we would nod and affirm, and yeah, that's good, I read that book 20 years ago, but they'd be things we, we'd be picking up the mantle to lead churches in, to inspire others, and, and to model in our own lives in such a way that those that come after us will will want to carry that on as well. So as you think about leading churches, what are some of the priorities for assessing whether this is a strength, whether this is a weakness? How would you, some of our, our you know, brothers that are fellow pastors, how would you encourage us to, to keep leading in this value? There's, there's something about humble pastoral leadership that is a really beautiful, compelling, and attractive quality. Mm. You know, I, I tend to think that people, we know when we listen to, to a preacher who gets up to speak, there's a sense of, okay, is this person seeking to impress? Are they seeking their own glory? Are they in this for themselves? Or are they uh, there to serve in all humility? And um, a leader who cultivates humility will not view himself as um, <laughs> superior to the to those he serves in the flock of God. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be a a uh, 
an aspect of his preaching and teaching and his thinking that is we together as a church and we're, we're running this race together rather than a a uh, a sort of proud talking down to <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there is a there's a recognition uh, in leaders that we ourselves are seeking to to grow, and of course, the, the pastor who is walking in humility will be comfortable uh, confessing his own sin and yeah, good. And, uh, and weakness in an ongoing way. Um, I recently spent some time talking with our pastors and wives here at Covenant Fellowship about giving and receiving correction, that category. So we have a combined community group. We uh, are two small groups with pastors and wives met together. And we just spent the evening talking about that theme, which is one of those historic categories that, yeah. um, that we, that we fully practice. That is an expression of humility, but what does it look like to invite and pursue correction and to say in this particular area, I have things to learn from mm-hmm. others and I want to uh, posture myself to um, to receive that grace, you know, from Excellent. from others. As I think, and then as pastors lead by example, that humility really uh, will uh, will will shape a culture in the in the church. And certainly, a part of this is teaching on humility. Pastors should look mm-hmm. at not only leading by example, which is. Uh, primary in cultivating a culture of humility but the bible has a lot to say about humility and so that yes. should be reflected in our in our preaching and and teaching of the of the church that's good yeah i i think um something i've been pondering recently is just how important humility is in in um, encouraging future pastors or at least those aspiring to pastoral ministry and and man the, the longer i'm in ministry the more convinced i am that regardless of gifting, regardless of public ability, regardless of intelligence, um, even at some level, regardless of the magnetism of the person personally, if there is uncertainty about their humility, I I find myself reluctant to move that person, um, to encourage them forward too too quickly towards ministry until there is strong evidence that this is a, a strong virtue in their life, that they're they're pursuing correction, as you're saying. They're willing to receive input. They're they're not selfishly ambitious. They're eager to serve however they can. And I, I think that's in contrast uh, to obviously a, a business or a world or certainly a sports mentality of progression where there's a certain self-confidence. There's a certain view of assurance in your abilities that's promoted. And I just, I, man, I want our churches, our church, to say we're we're doing the opposite. We're we're excited about people that are humble, that yes. think of themselves with sober judgment, uh, are are thrilled to see the the recognition of others. Um, talk for just a minute, Jerry, because it's possible that this could be misunderstood to be an endorsement of a, a sort of complacency, and I think I mean you and I would view humility not as a kind of indifference to conviction, but the kind of thing that thinks lowly of ourselves and therefore is able to stand firmly um, on doctrine and, you know, key theological issues, um, not because we think we're superior, but because we're unafraid of the opinions of others. So, so speak to that just a minute so that we don't confuse this as just sort of deferring in any situation, in all situations, to what somebody else thinks. 
Yeah, humility. I think you you've made the point well, and that that distinction uh, is is crucial. Humble people will still have strong convictions and 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 uh, beliefs, doctrines that they that they stand upon, as well as uh, convictions about any number of other things, and so. Uh, Humility doesn't mean we sort of become, you know, wishy-washy in our, uh, in our perspective on particular issues. There, it, we 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 speak the truth in humility and love, and so we, you know, you, you actually see some of this in in the qualifications for elders. So there is a gentleness. That right. an elder must model, but he also must hold fast to the to the trustworthy word. You know, so you must be humble, but he also must be uh, theologically sound and be right. able to to refute those who disagree, but do it with a spirit of gentleness and be kind, you know, to everyone. So, it humility doesn't mean that we don't hold fast to to sound doctrine. It does influence. I think the way that we hold that that doctrine, we've only come to see and know these things because God has taught it and 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 has made it known. And so we we don't carry the truth that we hold with a sense of pride. What right. do we have that we that we haven't received? And and a humble person is someone who will will have a peaceable and gracious disposition right. um, firm convictions yes but not combative not argumentative uh, it takes humility to love those who disagree with you to bless those who mistreat you to love your enemies you know all of that is the presence of of humility so holding fast to the truth but doing but doing that in in humility and in grace is is the call of God upon us. Yes, excellent. It strikes me too that there's a a certain humility that I mean, you and I would both you know cherish and value that ought to be present in in a church toward other churches. I think you know of our our family of churches where you know there can be a kind of self sufficiency, especially as a church grows in stature and in strength and numbers that you know we we would say is really dan dangerous uh in the life of the church that there ought to be a, an eagerness to hear and receive I'm, I'm thinking about our own our own team that you know moments we've had uh pastors and sovereign grace come in really out of an attempt to pursue humility towards them um not that we're conscious of some real weakness on our part but just because we want them to kind of speak in what hey here's what we're doing what do you think about that i was thinking about a time we had you know, our, both of our friend Mickey Conley come in and he, we were just sharing some of our practices and he just gave us a, a strong word of encouragement. I, I really think you should consider uh, this this option. And it really caused us to go back and reflect and say, gosh, maybe we have been unwise in the way we've been, you know, structuring things. And um, I, that's good, I think, for a team. Good for me. It's, it's good for me as a pastor to say, man, I, I need other pastors to hear what I'm doing, to listen to me, to make observations. Um, and that that moment in my heart that says, hey, I, I know what I'm doing. I, I've, I've been doing this a while. I don't need, you know, counsel at that level. 
is just pride. It's just, it's just pride. And, and I, I want to not only be preaching about this to the church, but to have my team and my heart, whether it's in my marriage, when my wife brings me an observation or, you know, something my child observes about our life together or something that the church member does or certainly a fellow pastor. I want that to um, be something I'm, I'm running towards rather than pushing against. And I, I pray that will always be the case for our family of churches, that we would always be men that are, yeah. that are eager to hear, eager to grow, eager to um, gladly be satisfied in God's favor towards us in Christ, and therefore not living for the favor or defending our reputation with others. Yes. Um, yeah, that would be the yes. hope that I hope we yes. have. Good. Yes, well, let's hum- let's hum- go ahead. Humility has not only personal application and and relevance, but relevance in in on a corporate level and how we, as a church, relate to other churches in our area. How we learn right. from from others, and how we in Sovereign Grace relate outside of our denomination as well. You know, there's a humility that learns from one of the things that I love about. You know, I. I spent my life in sovereign grace and it's there that i've learned from uh baptists and presbyterians and pentecostals and you know and others um from other uh networks and denominations and i think that's an expression of that pursuit of humility that seeks to uh that seeks to learn from others and i just mm-hmm. wanted to add on a, add a on a personal note as well that this value this virtue has has for me in my life been among the most difficult to cultivate. Right. Humility is so challenging because everything in my heart is daily respond, having the impulse, the sinful impulse to respond in pride. Mm-hmm. And um, if anyone would have known me in college, I actually went back when, and, and uh, I became a Christian late in high school. I've, I've since gone back to as many people as I can that I interacted with or who knew me in college and have just apologized for being a jerk in every way. <laughs> but I, I, debated, I debated theology with everyone. I was unteachable. I took on a sort of ministry of correction, you know, toward other. It was just, there was, there was a pervasive presence of pride in my in my life and i actually re- remember the the instance there was a friend who was bringing correction and a thought on something and i was saying well uh no the way there was a small group setting and a uh, uh, a uh, young woman and i started to pray at the same time then we both paused and then i jumped in and continued praying and this friend brought hey it could have been good for you to let her pray and just to consider others in that way and I made my case. I said, well, what, what's wrong with that? Nothing. I didn't do it. And so I just would always debate, always push back, never acknowledge wrong. And I remember this conversation where my friend said, he said, you always have to be right, don't you, Jared? And it was one of those moments. And I don't know if you've had these in your life, John, but where just the Holy, the Holy Spirit just wrecked me. I was in tears. I was, I was, it was like seeing a sight of, of my pride and the extent of it and um and so ever since that moment that was part of what god's used to say yet be pursuing humility but those things have still stuck with me i'm i'm still 
capable of all of those same impulses of of natural i do not naturally rejoice when reproof is brought oh thank you for correcting me and sharing uh what thought i think in terms of you know uh defensiveness i tend to have high thoughts of of myself and can drift towards low thoughts toward others and so all of these things just is the is this value of humility that we will spend our lives right uh continuing to to cultivate right. um so yes may may we together press on and growing in in humility yeah it's, i'm i'm fully agree that there is a stubbornness of pride even you know, you and I have been hearing about humility for 30 plus years mm-hmm. since we were old enough to pay attention, you know, and probably <laughs> before that, um, yes. it's still, it's, it's, it's so grieving and shocking how quick there is anger when I am not acknowledged the way I want to be. And, and in my heart, there is that, Hey, I'm not being recognized. I'm not being appreciated. You know, that can happen in the home, uh, you know, with kids that just aren't responding the way I want them to respond. And I just, yeah, that, that's just pride. You think that you should be treated with a, a level of <laughs> exaltation in your heart rather than thinking of yourself as a humble servant. And it is, it's just going to be the rest of our lives. And I, I think one of our burdens, um, I, I know I would have, you know, you share is that this and all the other values that we not be people who merely affirm them, but that we be pastors who are daily seeing where they can increase in our life. That we be not those who preach against pride as a, a technical affirmation, but that we actually do the battle. The battle of humility has to be fought daily until we're yeah. dead. Yes. It's not something we learn about, you know, in our ministry training and kind of heard a few thoughts about when we were, you know, singles, and then now we've got it. it it's ongoing, yes. never-ending, growing more and more like Christ in terms of our humility and, and fighting against mm-hmm. pride. So I pray the Lord will help us to do that. Yes. Um, let me let me close this off there because we've gone 30. I, I promise anybody who listens to this, we'll do future virtues more in 20 minutes. Uh, but thanks for letting us intro this whole topic today, and we look forward to being back with you again soon. Jared and I are both grateful for you. Thank you for pastoring and loving God's people with the gospel. We're grateful for you.